0: Amen. A many, many men. So uh, today we're going to talk about the church that fears the Lord. The church that fears the Lord. There's a lot of a lot of churches <clears throat> developed these days. Uh, for many many centuries, it was just the Catholic Church or Universal Church. And then the Protestant, what they called Reformation, occurred in the 16th century about. and uh, That kind of released a new revelation of God. It's amazing that the church could have lasted for 14 centuries without a new revelation. Uh, but when people begin to question religion, begin to question their knowledge and begin to press in, they find that God is there. And I think many of us, from our religious backgrounds, we were in denominational churches, many of us, and we began to question, is, there, is this all there is to it? There's got to be more. Your heart began to long for more of God. And the Bible says, when you hunger and thirst for righteousness, you will be filled. That's the only thing God promises to give us when we ask for it. Isn't that amazing? Huh? Is is righteousness. Anything that righteousness supports, uh, 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 provision, daily bread, those kinds of those are righteous things that that God provides for us. He doesn't provide. Uh, excess to, to feed our greed, but he will provide for the things that righteousness speaks of. So righteousness does provide uh, the, the things that we need to sustain us from day to day. So when we hunger and thirst for those things, the Bible says we will be filled. If you are hungering and thirsting for a decent neighborhood to live in, say the one that you're in isn't safe for you or something like that, the Bible says you will be filled. If you hunger and thirst for a a, a, light, a nice house, a comfortable environment, you know, say you you're, you can't afford a bed or your bed's on blocks or something, you know, that's how you can go to God with a basic need and and get the results of God because that's a righteous thing that you're asking for. So when we understand that God will provide. Uh, the things that righteousness supports, then we have no problem going to him. And so when we, we, we start out wanting more, there's a thirst and a hunger in us. That's not filled by mere religion. It's not filled by just a routine of going to church. Then that's a hunger for the living God. And when he shows up alive and living. Then he's met that need for us. And it's up to us to then follow through. Seek the kingdom. Righteousness and his way of doing things, and then he begins to add to what we have, and and then we have a life of of uh, continual expectation of good things that God will provide for us because they are good things, and so. <clears throat> When we uh, are a church that fears God, then we will understand these things. We, we're given great understanding just by the fear of the Lord. So, uh, in Proverbs 8.13, it really defines what the fear of the Lord is. And it says here, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Well, first of all, the church that fears the Lord hates evil. When you hate something, you don't tolerate it in any form. Whether it's a subtle form or whether it's an overt form, you hate evil in every form. And the the best prayer to pray is that God will expose evil to you. Deliver us from the evil one. You can't be delivered from something that's not exposed. If it's hidden, you can't be delivered from it. You might pal up with it and and ease around it, but you won't be delivered from it. And so it's up to us to ask God these things, you know, in your prayer. That's why the Lord's Prayer uh, talks about uh, every day, God, keep us on guard to be delivered from evil we don't want to succumb to evil you saved us and so we're going to do our part that we don't give in to evil or or compromise with evil in any way thinking that it's going to work out for us it won't work out for you that's why your your bible tells you to pray for deliverance from it i think sometimes when we're when we're connected in some way to evil say it's a habit we we we've cultivated that we don't want to get rid of or we're lazy about it, it's the fact that we don't speak against it gives it an ability to stay I mean I think if you help you can help yourself by your own confession about it and then it's on it's way out of your life you don't have to be a but don't be afraid to, to speak against it even though you're doing it you know it's wrong you know it's like people with, you know a lot of times people come to church with a smoking habit and they'll want to get rid of the smoking habit. But they'll say, I like cigarettes. Well, don't say you like them if you want to get rid of them. You know, uh, you may feel that, that you like it or it may feel pleasurable to you, but don't let your mouth confess that. You, you know, you got to understand how faith works in these things. You know people say well well, so and so I know um, my friend isn't saved but I like being well don't confess that. Why would you put yourself in jeopardy by allowing your confession to embrace something that you know you should be pushing away. So how do you push things away from you that you know are not good for you start with your words. Didn't we talk about being truly blessed and how you're blessed by your confession? You can bless yourself with your own words. You either condemn yourself or bless yourself with your own words. Never confess you like something that's bad for you. Your first line of defense is your confession. Huh? It's just like saying you're sick when you know God's healed you. You know, you know that by His stripes you're healed. You would no more do that with your confession than you would with anything else. Same thing about your finances. You don't confess poverty. Most people wouldn't dare think of doing that. But then we compromise on things that we think cater to our flesh because we think being weak to the flesh is something we want to protect. You want to fight that just like you do everything else that's not good for you. Because you'll hold on to a bad habit and pretty soon your health will be in jeopardy. You know, you keep smoking and confessing you still like cigarettes and keep smoking them. And pretty soon you won't be able to confess away a symptom. You got me? And so these things are all connected. And you fight everything the same way. You fight it with your words. You're either blessed or you're cursed. A cursed person is is unable to fight temptation. They're unable to resist temptation they have no defense against it. But you have the living God living inside of you. Let him live. Let him live. Start out with your confession and let God live. Amen. Let him live through you 100% and quit the compromise on sin. And so the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. And, and the Bible sums it up this way. Examples of evil are pride I don't care what you say, I like it anyway. See that's pride. Arrogancy. Hmm. Now that word arrogant means <clears throat> it's a Latin root it from A means against. Rogo means to ask. So you don't ask nobody nothing. You don't ask God anything, you don't and you don't want anybody in your business either. Huh? The arrogant people, they just got their own way about things. The opposite of that would be humility. You're always seeking wisdom. You're seeking the right answer. You're seeking. huh? You wouldn't dare go off and do anything on your own accord without going before the Lord first. And the evil way. The way of the flesh is always the evil way. The way of pride is the evil way. And the froward or boastful or arrogant or prideful mouth do I hate. So saying you like something that you know is wrong for you is a form of arrogancy and a prideful and evil way. You see what I'm saying? The Bible says God satisfies our mouth with good things or things that are good for us. That's what you need to be satisfied with instead of feeding your flesh with wickedness and evil things or things you know God doesn't approve of. Sometimes we try to make God approve of things but we know he doesn't. Uh, He doesn't like those things. Counsel is mine and sound wisdom. Those things come with the fear of the Lord. I am understanding. I have strength. So when you fear God, that strength to resist the evil one will come upon you. A strength to resist temptation to evil will come upon you. So the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. And then wisdom will come upon you. You won't get wisdom. While you still love evil or you love your your flesh or or patronizing to your flesh, catering to your flesh. You won't get it that way. So the church that fears the Lord is one that really hates evil. Or self-indulgence or arrogancy Mm -hmm. or pride. And we know there are churches and there are churches. And there are many churches that tolerate evil, wickedness. They even embrace it in the seeker friendly mode. We're never told how to treat seekers. We're told to preach the gospel and lift up Jesus and he'll draw men to himself. See the problem now in the churches is that there's so many conflicting and confusing gospels out here. There's some very tolerant gospels, and so people know that they can flock there and still feel that they're right with God because, well, this is a church too, you know, and they they say, this is okay over here, and this is fine over here, but then you come with all this, and, and you're mean to me, and you don't let me do this, and you don't let me do that. you got me. And so when we have those conflicting gospels, then we have a problem with, with understanding what it really means to fear God and what it really means to produce messages that reflect the fear of the Lord. Your message has to reflect what you believe as the church. So when you fear God that's when wisdom starts to come in. Now, People use worldly wisdom to try and what they want to do is build churches instead of Reaching people. See, you 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 have to have in your heart that God wants to reach people, not just get numbers. You know, even though numbers come when needs are met. But if we could get the numbers game out of our minds and just fear God, and God, how do you want me to reach people? What do you want me to say? I'll tell you. Tell them the truth. Tell them the word. Tell them what I can do for. Tell them who I am. Lift me up. Mm-hmm. And God Himself then draws men to Him, and He draws men to Him on His terms. He does it on His terms, and so once we understand how to really fear God and, and seek Him at every turn, then everything else that we desire that God will bring forth will will be added. That that comes as an added thing. So God shows His approval. Of our preaching and our messages in that way by adding to the church. He gives the increase. We can't do that ourselves. So the fear of the Lord is there. Now the word fear actually means to revere or respect, give high regard, high regard. See, this is something that husbands and wives get into arguments about. You know, the wife is with the kids all day long and she can't manage them. And then when the husband comes home, everybody snaps to attention and sits down and he barely does anything. See, then the woman, if she's smart, she'll say, well, thank God they obey somebody around here. I mean, you know what I'm saying. When it come, rubber meets the road. But the devil gets in there and she gets jealous of that. Tries to undermine it. Huh? No, tells the kids that daddy's mean. So then we got all the wife and the children lined up on one side and the mean dad on the other side. No wonder that brother ran for his life. Well, you can say amen, minute you don't have to. But that's when they go find the man cave. They go sit someplace else. They have to go have some stop somewhere after work and why? why? Because the Bible says that the honor to respect and reverence the, the husband. Not tear him down and make him out to be a mean person. Because he's trying to keep the kids there and keep them from running amok around town and keep them off cops in the evening. Okay? Where it's a shame to both parents for the children to turn out that way. And so that reverence and fear, that's there for God. It has to be. Because of all the power that he has. If you don't fear somebody who has all power, who are you going to be afraid of? See? It's good to know that. And it's good to know that if you understand and love and respect that person, you don't have to fear the negative side of their power. You can worship and, and revere them and, and only see the 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 uh, side of the power that will bless you and correct you and help you. You got me? It all comes as a package deal. So this uh kind of like uh neurotic fear or this uh um uh unusual fear sometimes that people have regarding God comes from the fact that there is that side of him to be respected. You got me there is that side of him to be respected so <clears throat> that word also means to cause to frighten now we see that in operation. With many of the enemies of God. And the enemies of God's people. When God caused the plagues to fall upon Egypt. Really once the, the, the Egyptians saw that, that happened so many times. And saw it as a result of Pharaoh's refusing to let the children of Israel go and then saw that God didn't put that on his people, but only put it on the enemies, they began to add things up. see, And it caused a fear of God to come on them, so much so, when the Israelites made up their minds they were going to leave, the people were happy to see them go and bless them as they left. That's a reputation you want to have in the earth, that people bless you as they leave, as you leave and not kick you out and take from you. See if you're always getting fired from a job and and you can't get your severance pay and you can't get this and you can't you can't stay long enough to get a promotion, that means that the fear of God was not in operation through you in that situation. What we do is when the fear of God starts working. We want to quit getting the flesh so it won't look like, you know what I'm saying, Cover, try to cover God up. So that people want to be pals with us. And it's kind of easy for us and we're comfortable in the workplace. You need to be comfortable in the God place and take him everywhere you go. And keep the devils at a, at a, a fearful distance away from you. They're not supposed to get close to you if you if you have God because that fear will fall on his servants too. It's supposed to be that way. It keeps you insulated from the devil. If you're saying, Deliver me from evil and, and, and you know from the wicked one, that's part of your armor is the presence of God. Mm-hmm. So when when you have the fear of God resting upon you then people don't say certain things or if they get bold enough or crazy enough to say them, they get convicted quickly because the Bible says that God is a jealous God. He doesn't want to share us with anybody. He wants to have first pick, first choice, and first place all the time. That's what jealousy means. You don't take a second seat. You don't take a back seat to anybody in that individual's life. The word fear also means to be startled to be alarmed and to stand in awe it means to be startled to be alarmed and to stand in awe we have to have that toward God about us <coughs> And the way to keep that is to have continual living contact with God. When we have that living contact, how do we contact God? Through praise and through worship. That word fear also means to revere or to worship someone and worship is not just a feeling and going through the motions That worship is knowing that you are contacting the living God on a continual basis he's alive and he can talk to you you can talk to him you can approach him through his word you can speak to him and and listen to him through his word and so it's important for us not to divorce worship from the word some people just like to float around in you know in a big ooze all the time, but when it comes to obeying the commandments, they bristle up. That's not worship. You worship God. the Bible says in spirit and in truth, truth being according to the word of God you're you're ready to obey the Word of God. You need to understand that there is an attraction. For the object of your worship that comes when you put them first. What you fear will come upon you. That goes for God too. When you fear God, he comes upon you. Mm -hmm. And he uh, is attracted to you because your heart is humbled to him. Ezekiel 11.8 talks about that same kind of fear in a, a negative right. He says, you have feared the sword, and I will bring the sword upon you, saith the Lord. In other words, you've been more afraid of your natural enemies than you are of me. So I'll let them have dominion over you. Mm -hmm. Those creditors that you stay nervous about, instead of praying and asking God to provide for you. If you reverence God, he'll take care of the creditors. Those friends you don't need to be around. You put them above God. You don't care what God or his people have to say to, to counsel you against those relationships. So he'll turn you over to their power. You won't be able to get away from them people. You try to get away from them, you can't. They keep begging their way back in your life. Well, that's the truth anyway. It just is. See, if whatever you put before God, he'll put you under the authority of it. Huh? He will. That's your God. See that you've proven that already by your attitude. So you can't say that God hasn't warned you and told you what it really means to honor, worship, and obey Him. Hmm? Sometimes people get get goofy with their children. You know, you're you're the authority figure in that child's life. You're speaking the word over them and speaking the word to them is, is a covering for them and a help for them. It can never flip the other way and you start letting them be the parent or that thing all, is all goofed up. You see what I'm saying? Now, you can hear your children. I mean, you know, you can listen to them and, and you know, mull over what they tell you. But you still got to submit everything to God's authority and the authority of his word. It's not to say that your children will never have any good thing to offer to you. Sometimes your kids grow up, they get more education, more knowledge, more ability in some areas. You can listen to them. You can hear what they have to say. But then the decision, the spiritual covering for that that generation, has to come from you and your relationship with God. And you can never love them so much that if they decide they don't want to Have you over or break fellowship that you compromise on the word. See? Devil's sneaky. He'll come in and, you know, the kids will say, well, we're all getting together on so-and-so day. And I know that's the day you have. Well, yeah, devil, you planned it that way. See? You planned it that way. And so you may have to stand your ground. You may have to stick to your guns and say, you know what? I think I'm going to pass this time because God's expecting me to meet him over here. I'm not sure he's going to be at your place the way y'all carry on over there. You got me? You see what I'm saying? And they don't respect your authority anyway and respect your God. So you just got to let it tough it out until God brings them over. But if you keep crossing over on the devil's side, he don't have a side to bring them to. See, I went through this for years. My husband wasn't saved, and it was a challenge for me at every turn. You know, when you're called to preach, that's y'all got it good. All you got to do is come to church and act holy, and you know what I'm saying. They'll be all right. But when you're called to preach, you don't know what kind of devil's going to jump out, at, out of your husband when you bring people over there. You know, you bring the saints over there, and you don't know if he's going to be right, he's going to be wrong, he's going to be absent, he's going to be present. Huh? Just a thought. So I had to learn to bind every demon, every devil, every every out of pocket devil, every stupid devil, every one to cuss people out devil. I bound them all up. And brought the saints on over. You know? And he's glad for them to be there. You know? After a while they get glad. <laughs> and so you have to trust God in these things. You know, you can't slip and not put God first. And think that, you know, well, I, maybe I should give in and be normal. You ain't normal when you give in to the devil. It makes you highly abnormal. Uh-huh. And so you can't, you can, I mean, if you, we're the church that fears God, you've got to love him and fear him at all times. And he'll test you. He'll test you sore. <laughs> you think you've been in, in, in dire straits, but he will test you till it hurts. Mhm. Uh-huh. And you'd be sitting there crying, wonder why I'm all by myself. I guess because he wants you there. By yourself. Well, say amen, somebody. Because that's what, jealous, what a jealous God will do. It's like your husband or wife didn't want to share you with anybody. Even much more so, God, he's paid for you. Husband and wife, they only got your word on something. God's paid for you. In other words, if somebody were to want to have first place in your life, they'd have to deal with God and buy you back. So let's not get stupid here. You know, let's, let's keep it straight. Don't get it twisted. Because God doesn't understand what we think he understands. Well, you know, sometimes you gotta... No, you don't. No, you don't. Because if you're doing it once, you're going to do it twice, you're going to do it three times, you're going to do it four times, and pretty soon it'll be a habit, and and you fail the test. Before it was a test, now it's a snare. You got me? Write that down, because a test will easily advance to a snare. A test, you have the power to overcome. A snare, you got to wait for deliverance. you got to wait for somebody with power to come get you out. You put your foot in a snare, it's a sign of weakness. And so your weakness will manifest in that you won't be able to get yourself out of it. Somebody will have to come and deliver you. And how do people deliver you? With their words. If your mind's ensnared, you'll receive that word for a minute, and then you go right back to your stupidity. See, you're ensnared then you got to know the difference when you're ensnared you, you may have to wait for deliverance because you have no power to deliver yourself the truth anyway you don't want to be ensnared look at Samson they say he killed more Philistines at the end of his life it should not have been that way He didn't have to have his eyes plucked out and be chained down in order to obey God. But if that's what it takes, that's what it'll take. God wanted him to serve him physically able and able to see and discern and make right choices. That's a better witness if you ask me. When we boast about the heroes of God, we don't really think about Samson too much. He's a loser in most of our eyes and he should rightfully be so because that's what he was he was never able to deliver himself and stay delivered by choice by choice we're all endowed with the power to deliver ourselves and to stay delivered you ensnare yourself with a bunch of excuses oh it's okay with God and I ask God for this and I, but that ain't what that is God's not the tempter. He won't send you a snare as an answer to prayer. So Proverbs 9.10 tells us the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It's the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. So when you know God, this is what the Bible refers to, knowledge as having personal relationship. See, the reason you get good understanding is because you can go to him. When you have a personal relationship, and any information that comes to you can be verified by talking to God about it. Go into his word. Huh? Your best information will come through the word because you can't trust voices. You know, I feel sorry for people who think voices are superior to the written Bible. Because this, you can go into here any time you feel like it and get an answer for anything that comes up. You might have to wait on a voice. God may not want to speak to you that way. In fact, that's a very slow route to go. To get understanding. You can go to the Word any time and get your face slapped. <laughs> and get straightened out. <laughs> That's what it's for. huh? To straighten us out. Psalms 111.10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all they that do his commandments. So you can draw from wisdom and understanding through your personal relationship. And that understanding gets reinforced and increases as you do his commandments, as you obey him. So you can take it a step further. You get your understanding from God and then take it a step further and obey what he tells you to do. And then everything opens up to you. The way opens up to you clearly through your obedience to the word of God. Why? Because then once you obey God, you prove your love for him. And the relationship gets richer. When you have love relationship with God, it's a richer relationship than somebody just does it you know, I, I don't do this, I don't do, you know, the legalist. Huh? You know, it, it's some families, you know, sometimes... Husbands get a little strong on everybody. Wives will do it too. You know, they just want the kids to do the right thing. Sit up there, shut up. Nah, 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 and don't offer anything else to the relationship than just a bunch of do's and don'ts. You know, mostly don'ts. don't 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 put your elbows on the table. Don't do anything. Some people are so insecure about their authority that's all they ever tell anybody is what not to do you know you see parents who are insecure some of them think it's it's a sign of weakness to to have a relationship with a child where they can talk to the child communicate with them you know some of them get soft and don't want to discipline the child because they don't want to lose that you got me so there's a balance here that you can strike in that that there can be a mutual love and respect regardless huh Of what's going on in the relationship. And people who love God. Have a sense of how to please God. Without the rigidity of the right and wrong. And the condemnation in between kind of thing. The legalistic thing. I did this wrong. And I how I disappointed God. And all he wants you to do is repent. So that he can get the relationship back again. And then we go off and want to feel bad and think that's impressing God if we feel bad for two months. Well, it didn't help him any, it helping you any any either. huh? So, you know, it, it's one of those things where we have to understand what the purpose of the relationship is. So when we prove our love to God through obeying his commandments, the Bible says you have good understanding. Good understanding. You know, I, I can remember when I would... Um, when I first started to teach and to preach, I didn't have any kind of experience, training, anything. I just loved God, and it began to show. People would say, "Well, how did you? How do you get this? How do you understand that?" And I wanted to say, "Well, I don't know. I just I talked to God about it." But I found that the love that I had for Him drew me toward Him. And the only way I could keep that relationship was obedience to him. And so wisdom and knowledge and understanding came from that love relationship. You got me? And so and the devil will try and and put that down and steal that from you. Uh, You you need to you need to be more friendly toward people and focus on people. No, I'm focusing on God now. As you know, I love y'all and all that, but you ain't taking you ain't getting me from him. Took me too long to find him. Just like your silly girlfriends are try to get you to to come out with them and and your husband is left at home. Don't do stupid stuff like that. They don't have nothing to offer you. Period. Your first obligation is to that person you're married to. Married to, you got me? People get all devoted to people not even married to them. Stupid. Why you waste your time with somebody that's not committed to you? And you're not committed to them. So fear of the Lord is beginning of wisdom and good understanding. Have all they that do his commandments, his praise endures forever. Mm -hmm. His praise endures forever on people who do his commandments. You know, if you obey God, you have a smile on your face all the time. People are souring out of sorts because they're not doing what they're supposed to do, huh? People who love God have His countenance. God is not sour and upset and pouting about nothing, huh? He's glad. He's joyful. He's full of of, of um, good fruit. He's full of hope and encouragement and optimism. He's full of the good fruit, not that sour stuff. Think he's disgruntled about something? I don't think so. Mm? He owns everything. You'd be happy if you owned everything too. (laughs) And we're his heirs. We need to act like it. He's always worried about something. huh? Always concerned about something. Cut that out. Mm? It's not God. So you have good understanding. I like that. Good understanding. There's nothing that's so far that you can't get it in a hurry if you need it. You have a confidence and an encouragement on the inside of you. See, that's that's what you want. Proverbs 14:29 tells us that the fear of the Lord is a fountain of life. Huh? You don't fear the devil, you don't fear death, and life begins to flow out of you toward everybody. it's it's a good thing to have that about you. What did I say? 1429? I don't think that's uh, I think that's the wrong scripture. Where did I have that? 27? Uh, Thank you. Alright. 27. It's a fountain of life to depart from the snares of death. See? There's a snare again. When you love the world and the things of the world, God will let you try it. It's a test, but then it's a snare. But then the fountain of life can deliver you from the snare. So people who have the fountain of life in you, when they speak the word of God over you, those words can cut those chains so quickly and deliver you from the snares of death. I've had people do that. They'd be having a normal conversation with me and not know how much good they did me. I'm talking about saints. I'm not talking about nobody in the world. I'm talking about God's people. They'll, those words will snap those chains off of you so fast it will make your head spin. And be thankful for it because many times you didn't have to confess nothing. You didn't tell them nothing. Was God was discreet and kept your discretion So that you knew he could trust you and all he wanted was for you to be delivered, huh? And not exposed. Because he loves you. See, you can't get better than that. And he says it's a fountain of life to depart from the snares of death, huh? To depart from the snares. Just the, the fear of the Lord, understanding God, humbling yourself to God. He'll pour life into you. Give you empowerment and strength to to come apart from the snares of death. Fourteen twenty six. Oh, I did that. Is that the one I just did? Fourteen twenty seven. Sorry, twenty six. Says uh, in the. I'm sorry. Yeah, in the fear of the Lord, twenty six is strong confidence. Strong confidence. Not something somebody can talk you out of on a whim. Some you little whining kids, I mean you didn't listen to them when they were little and whining. Now they got grown and whining now we want to pray about it. Come on now. Give them the same answer you gave them when they were little. No, 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 and no. It says in the fear of the Lord is strong confidence and his children shall have a place of refuge from what huh you mean you don't have nothing you need to be you to get tired of in this life you need to escape from in this life it can be right in your house you need a refuge in your i mean it can be in your mind you need a refuge in, within yourself from yourself <laughs> But I like that his strong confidence. When you love God and you put Him first, that makes you strong against anything that would would try and come against you, huh? Strong confidence. <laughs> I was thinking about. It. There's this little commercial. Here I go with these stupid commercials again. But there's a. Uh, in fact, I thought about you a couple times, Wanda, when you were looking for your car, because this guy goes to buy a car. And this little, little, a little neck pops up on his shoulder and it's his head and his, and he starts talking, see, oh baby, let's get this car, I want this car, woo, woo. And he's just singing and carrying on the salesman looks and he said, what is that? And the guy said, oh, that's my confidence. He said he comes out whenever I do, you know, whenever, you know, we made a right decision or I think it was about some kind of car facts or something. You can go and find out if the car is worth buying. So confidence popped up. Oh, baby, let's get this car. And he's just singing and the man can't even carry on a conversation with confidence. Oh, I want this car. He just carried on something terrible up there in the, in the dealership. I said, "That's what we need." It says we need strong confidence We have to pop up and start talking to us when you have to make a decision. You know, you should go in there with that, and it should never stop talking to you. Confidence, strong confidence in God. So, yeah, that's that's us. We have that strong confidence. When we, have, when we worship God, we know God put him first. That, that gives you confidence. What do you have to fear if you know God's on your side and he's with you? Proverbs 19.23 tells us that the fear of the Lord tends to life. See, not death. People think if I worship God, if I pray in tongues a little bit more every day, and I do this every day, then I'm just not going to be a normal person. (laughs) That's a good thing. You shouldn't be wanting to try to be normal. You should want to try and be extraordinary for a change. We've been trying to be special, and we've been normal. (laughs) Need to get abnormal so you can be special. Huh? Get out there with our little half a half a brain and half a nerve and try to be all wonderful with that. That ain't enough to be wonderful on. Huh? you got to get more of God on your side and, and trust him more and obey him more. So that you can have something. It says it lends to life. Huh? Uh, the fear of the Lord tends to life. Takes care of your life it tends to increase the things in you that that increase your life it says and he that that has it shall abide satisfied he shall be he will not be visited with evil So if you really love God, you're satisfied. You're not looking for something to help your life or so you don't be lonely or something like that. No, you love God and that's all there is to it. You have life pouring out of you that you can give to somebody that's in bad shape. We ought to be ashamed of ourselves, sitting up whining and moaning and feeling sorry for ourselves. You know, Now it's time to stop. It really is. It's over time to stop. Because you don't even have to give in to that nonsense. Because you worship God. You love Him. God I want to obey you. I'm I'm determined to obey you today. And that life begins to pour out of you and you're satisfied. You don't need anything else. And we sit up and listen to other people's prayers and borrow trouble off of. You know, they praying for that. Maybe I should... No, you just find you're satisfied. Don't be stupid because you're satisfied. Huh? You know, people say things like, well, my husband left me, and, and you know, that's been years ago. And, 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 and you know, and I, I really, to be honest with you, I get so busy with God, I don't miss him. Well, that's good. Huh? But no, we want to feel, good. well, I should be missing him. Listen, you weren't missing him when you was married to him. The truth was told. He never missed that rascal. You come home and didn't see his car in the driveway and you got happy. And you know you did. Because you do what you want to do. For them hours he was gone. Let's not get stupid. Hey, we are, everybody that's been married can say amen. And if you ain't been married, you need to say amen anyway. Because the married people can tell you the truth about it. the truth. Well, good. I won't have to do that for another hour. Amen. Or you know, I always like that. Maybe I, you know, I'm gonna, I'm going to be tied up here, really? How long? And you go. Oh, really? <laughs> 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 Thank you very much. Thank you very much. You're know, dancing all over the furniture, sit on the top of the dining room table, and do a jig, put the pots away. All I want to know is are you working through dinner? <laughs> Hallelujah! Hallelujah. <laughs> now when it gets too frequent you got problems you need to pray you got me and you need to straighten up but we can rejoice in these little respites no, a little respite huh? a little respite <laughs> so anyway but the the fear of the Lord tends to life it, it takes care of the things that pertain to your life and it tends to increase the God life inside of you. It just will. It, it'll take care of that. He that has it shall abide satisfied. So you'll live satisfied when you have the fear of the Lord. You really fear God and put Him first. That fills you up. You don't have room for nothing else. You don't have room for anything else. When that starts to, when there starts to be a crack in there, you need to take that to the Lord. Mm -hmm. take that to the Lord now if you're single never been married that that thing can happen and then God will start you to earnestly pray for a spouse you see to get married and that will never go away see that needs to be tended to but for us old salts (laughs) it's been around the park a few times get satisfied okay ain't nothing else coming you had your fling jeez The Bible says, are you loose from a spouse? Seek not to be bound. I mean, how plain can that be? Are you joined to one? Seek not to be loose. Just stay where you are. Don't get any sudden ideas. God's trying to help you with that. Hey. Hey. For some of us, nothing else is coming. You got me? You did your time that way. Huh? Huh? They done gone on to heaven. You can join them up there when it's your time. But until that time, just don't get no. Don't try to be 25 again. The 25 that's coming your way has a 1 in front of it if you get that far. Get those 25 again. Let me get some water. Lord, I'm getting dry in the mouth. But see if y'all would straighten up, I wouldn't have to go there. Hmm. Yes. <laughs> so it tends to life, it takes care of everything that pertains to your life. God knew the day you were born where you would be today, and He's made ample provision for you to be satisfied in today you can be satisfied no matter what what situation you're in <clears throat> full hungry lack you know plenty whatever situation you're going to need god to fulfill you anyway things can never fulfill you once you've been born again things have lost their their thing for you so it says he shall not be visited with evil When you have enough God in you, it repels the devil. He won't come close to you. Proverbs 16. Let me see. not what I wanted Let me circle that one. Okay, Proverbs twenty three. Hopefully that copied that one right. Twenty three. Seventeen. It says, Not do not let your heart envy sinners but be in the fear of the Lord all the day long. See, when, when you have, one of the things that hits the church is that they begin to look at what sinners seem to get away with or seem to be able to do and get jealous. See, this is what caused the prosperity teaching to go on the rails. You know, God had to just remove it. Because people began, and you could see it in that idea of wealth transfer. You could see a, a jealousy for what sinners possessed. Anytime you're rejoicing, you see, think you could just sit there and wait for money to come into your hands without working for it. And something's wrong somewhere. See, there's something wrong because the wealth of the sinner is laid up for the righteous all the time. It's not There's not going to come a day where it's all going to just plop in the lap of the church. This is something that is done on an individual basis where your faith works to bring wealth into your hands by the work of your hands. Not just by pulling a, an imaginary lever in the spirit and it comes there are a lot of people who take that the wrong way and think all you got to do is give your money to this preacher and just wait for it to fall on you. That's not right. The Bible says wealth gotten uh, 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 quickly does not last, but it lasts when it comes through the work of your hands. you got to set your hand at something. That doesn't always mean hard physical labor, but that means that you have to be diligently employed at something that that is legal and useful that brings forth wealth into your life See, it, it, or it won't last a long time. Even these people we see in 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 broadcasting now. Some of these people got super wealthy when they put certain shows on. Like Oprah is a good example, and others produced Merv Griffin was some of. He got very quietly wealthy. Um, you know, they got an idea that television was was going to be the the thing to get involved in and they were wise but they they kept they were working at something all the time those people don't have a, a a way to breathe hardly without having to talk to somebody about ideas or something like that to stay busy so some of these means that we see where they seem to get unusually large amounts of wealth for that type of effort even that is employment you know that's that's gainful. I mean you can you can prosper off of that, but but we're not to be uh, coveting the world's wealth. that's just wrong. see it's just wrong. you, you can't look at sinners because the next thing you're going to do you're going to be in sin yourself. See once you start looking over there for what you desire, you've got to look in the word. Or what it is God has for you. Anything he has for you, you can find it in the Bible. I know it's not fashionable sometimes. you think you can just get a vision and it'll come to pass, but you get your vision from the Word, huh? You got to get it from the Word. And so God does have provision for his people. He says, let not your heart envy sinners. but be in the fear of the Lord all the day long. In other words, don't let your eyes wander over and see what somebody else has acquired. You just can't do it. The vision for what God has for you is in the word and it should be in your heart. You should embrace everything that God has for you. Some of the things you might have to work on yourself to get yourself to accept that God has them for you but you can do it. You can do it. You don't have to hang on to those worldly ideas and worldly ideals. Proverbs, I'm sorry, Psalms 34 verse 9 says Oh fear the Lord, ye his saints, for there is no want to them that fear him. Just you know, I mean, it can be a, a natural lack or it can be a spiritual lack. Some of the things that bug us are more spiritual than natural. Things, some of the things that drive us to, to the snare are not material concerns at all. They're more emotional and spiritual concerns. Which Those things you should know that God is going to, to fill those quickly. So, so fear the Lord, ye his saints, for there is no want in them that fear him. The young lions do lack and suffer hunger. In other words, people who depend on their own strength, even though are very physically capable, they'll get hungry from time to time. But those who seek the Lord never lack any good thing. You will never lack any good thing. The Bible tells you to keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from speaking guile. Depart from evil and do good. The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous and his ears are open to their cry. So when you fear God, all you have to do is talk to him about what need you have. And he'll supply it. Without fail. I mean, there's no such thing as he does it for some people and doesn't do it for others. So the church that fears God, there's no lack in that church. No lack whatsoever. It was proven in Acts 2 uh, where they went and sold. They had all things in common, the Bible says. They sold property and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. There was no concern about the man of God if he was going to do what they Wanted to do with the money because they really didn't handle the money. The deacons handled it. You got me? So there was a system set up by God that was able to distribute to everybody that had a need in the church and the people that had a lot brought it freely. You got me? And The ones that tried to cheat it dropped dead in the church. Huh? So there's, God was with them in this, folks. This wasn't something that they just thought up they should do. God was with them in what they were doing. Mm-hmm. Psalms 115 one says, To fear the, the Lord means to trust Him. It means to trust Him when you fear Him. Let me find it. That's the greatest thing that you can show God. You know, you get in a boat and just let the captain steer it. You don't try to take the wheel yourself. We ain't going fast enough. Let me drive. I don't like the way this water's looking. Let's go back. You know, we do that all the time. <coughs> One fifteen What did I put down here? <sighs> How about 13? He will bless them that fear the Lord both small and great. He will bless them that fear the Lord both small and great. In other words, you don't have to be real knowledgeable about the word. You know what what the difference is between the people that receive from God and don't? Just this right here about trusting him and, and serving God. But they look big in our eyes because of their confidence in God. You think somebody knows more word and they know more this and that. it has nothing to do with it. Hmm? In verse 9, 1159, that should have been a 9 instead of a 1. O Israel, trust thou in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. Just trust that once you obey God, he's there, he's got your back. He's got your front. He's got all sides. The enemy can't pierce that at all. Mm-hmm. Trusting God. Trusting God. Blessings come to those who fear the Lord. Mm-hmm. You are blessed. There's no stopping the blessing of God. Why should we why should we even try? To trust God. Because that pleases Him. Psalm 147 says it. And we don't think about pleasing and not pleasing God until a blessing is late. (laughs) And we want to think, "Well, what did I do wrong? Psalm 147.11. The Lord takes pleasure in them that fear Him and those that hope in His mercy. You just Your hope is that when you go somewhere to get what you want, he'll show up and be there with you. That's what your hope is. You're not hoping that you got good enough credit or the right credentials or whatever it is. You know, a computer error can mess your credit up in one day. Huh? And God can straighten it out just as quickly. Ain't nothing but something on paper. He has confidence in you. His confidence that if he gives you a blessing, you'll take care of it if you continue to trust him, you know every month you have to make the payments, begin to thank God, Father, I thank you for the provision that you've given to your children, and I'm included and I thank you that I will not be ashamed that I'm going to be here for you. I'm going to be here for these things, so praise God, one of the areas that the church is is I think fallen short on and really really doesn't come up to the standard that God expects because when you have a problem in society God is depending upon the church to speak to that problem you see and it's rare that you find churches addressing the problems that we have in society to the degree that we need to we try to skirt around them we're seeker friendly. If we talk about getting wealthy and prosperous and success, then people want to come because they're buying all these motivational tapes. Well, we're not a motivational organization. We're a living, breathing body of Christ. And and we are a living, breathing organism that, that blesses people with the life of God. We're to promote and continue to increase the life of God in the earth. And you can't do it without it's preaching holiness and to preach holiness means to preach against sin. So I was reading on the internet there's a uh, now it's really a shame that we have to make a big splash about churches that preach against sexual sin but it's gotten that bad now. But there was a sermon on there. It's the title the headline Pastor Rock's Church with Sexual Sin Sermon. Now why would that upset a church? That obeys God, and fears God, but you find it all the time because people have such easy access to to uh, evil and, and sin and, and evil information. It says here, New Spring Church Pastor Perry Noble recently delivered a hard hitting as hard hitting say "This is this is sad. What do we?" what do we want soft messages i don't care if it hits hard or soft if it's the truth you got to swallow it i mean whether it's hard or soft that's how you want to take it a hard-hitting message on the seriousness of sexual immorality in the church for those who take sexual sins lightly he made it clear to them you're not saved mm-hmm. wow. though a lot though a lot to take in Take on in one message, and see this is where he should have done a series and really cleared it out. And see people hold their breath for one time, but you keep hitting it over and over again. They get nervous, right? He says, Noble tackled adultery, friends with benefits, pornography, and homosexuality as the four common sins that Christians have come to tolerate. And we might as well say perpetrate. In America, it's cool to be tolerant, he told thousands at the South Carolina mega church on Sunday. But Jesus literally tells the church there are certain things that you are, are to not tolerate in the church. The message was meant to cause discomfort among Christians. Well, I don't know if you really mean that. I mean, you mean to get truth to people and deliver them. You don't, you don't preach just to make people upset. It's stupid. But anyway, you know this. This is these are the people that put it out, you know, so they can put their little two cents in. Even some even got up and left in the middle of the message to see this is why they don't preach them, huh? You, well, you know, you got mega in front of your church name. You never should have put that there to begin with because you don't know what size God wants you to be, huh? said some even got up and left in the middle of it. In earlier services on Sunday, Noble told attendees at the evening service, but his goal wasn't so much to condemn Christians as it was to encourage them and help them break free from sexual sins. Encourage them in what? (laughs) We take that out. What you and I pursue will ultimately determine what we do and who we become, he stated. For those pursuing sexual immorality, they have ultimately turned their back on Jesus, he said repeatedly. He called it a spiritual impossibility to pursue adultery and Jesus at the same time. Just admit that you're not following Christ, he said. Just admit that an orgasm is more important to you than Jesus. That'll clear it out. (laughs) We are people of plain speech. While men men made, made of the majority of those committing adultery in the past, Noble has found that more married women are having affairs. Well, that comes with liberation, you know, equality. And the internet is a big factor. Facebook has become a big culprit, he noted. He recently spoke to a counselor who said every affair he has dealt with in the past six months began on Facebook. He says, I'm not anti-Facebook, Noble said, but some of you have started online flirting, connecting with old flames, having intimate conversations. He bluntly told them, go home tonight and delete your Facebook account. Well, you know, if it's a snare to you, you need to get rid of it. You got me? Some people don't know what to say on there. In fact, some people tell more on there than they will to people in the church, which is wrong. See, that's wrong. The New Spring pastor had harsh words for singles as well. He told singles that are having sex that they too are turning their backs on Jesus. If you're doing that, just just don't say you love Jesus, he said. Don't show up to church during a worship song and raise your hands when you've had hands all over some girl this weekend. Stop it. See that's good pastoring. Stop it. Supposed to lift up holy hands. Yeah. His advice to singles having sex: Don't date somebody for a year because it leads to sex every time you date. Got me? In other words, abstain from dating for a year. See, this is what people who who ha- have been sexually active don't do. They don't abstain. Uh-huh. They'll 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 stop because they get rejected, and then they want to go after it that much more. Stupid. Uh-huh. You you gotta you gotta let give God a chance to change you. Huh? He says you can't renew your mind while you're dating. You're going to have to fight this. Addressing the pervasive struggle with pornography, Noble told the church crowd that they can't pray it away. Gotta stop. Hello. Bible says to shun the very appearance of evil. If it looks wrong, your brain knows when it looks wrong. I don't care if it, it gets convicted or it starts to pant after it. It's wrong. This is making himself transparent, Noble said he battled with porn addiction for more than a decade. His addiction began after he was first exposed to an elementary school. He admitted that even after becoming a Christian, he still struggled. He received Christ in 1990, but didn't break its addiction until '99. So was he saved or not, according to him? See, you don't take people's salvation away from them. You didn't give it to them, you can't take it away from them. But you can preach the way you're supposed to have been preaching to get them in there. Now you got them in there, you don't know what to do with all these sinners running around here. Homosexuality was the last sexual sin he addressed. He apologized to homosexuals for the way the church has treated them. Well, if you haven't treated them bad, you don't know. You know what I'm saying. I mean, come on, let's face it. Most of us have not had any contact with homosexuals to treat them bad. Huh? Just a thought. He said, it's so sad that the church has used the name of the one who died for your sins to persecute you. doesn't make sense. I don't know how true that is. Because there are a lot of religious people out there who get out with their protest signs and all that kind of stuff and put that up there. I would not call that the church. I would call that the devil trying to parade and masquerade himself as the church. But the church has, has gotten homosexuals saved forever. It's just now become a controversial issue because now people are getting nervous that they've recruited all these people and they're going to lose them. See, now they've got political strength in numbers and they don't want to lose them. So they attack the church. But he added homosexuality is sin. Well, this is what you need to tell them. You don't need to tell them anything else. He said it's not popular in America to say that. There will be legislation introduced that will actually make that a hate crime. Huh? Well they can make it all a crime they want to. Huh? That can't change God's word. It it matters not so much what the government does, but it matters what God's word says. They're gonna get they're get the truth one way or the other. Listen, God'll make sure they know the truth, trust me. Noble said he's been studying homosexuality for a year. Is that all? So you can get a you can get to be an expert, real quick. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? It, it just it's just kind of come on now. You're not an expert here. You know all you need to do is open your mouth and let God fill it with words, no matter who you're talking to. Hmm? He says <coughs> he, he agrees sometimes when homosexuals say they were born that way. Well I don't. I think you're born with natural affection. Uh, Bible says you trade that in. Isn't that what it says in Romans? They trade the natural affection for perversion. So he needs to keep studying. Uh, but all everybody's born in sin and shaped in iniquity. It just depends on what form your shaping takes, what your iniquity is. He says, I was born with a desire to have sex with every pretty girl that would let me have sex with her, and so was every man. Just because you were born that way doesn't make it right for you to act on the way you were born. Well, I think oftentimes people, their minds are twisted by society and by what they hear. Now, this isn't just you're born this way. You're born with a desire to satisfy your flesh. And that leads to sin. So it just depends on what kind of form that takes. There are many people who can live celibate until they're married. And some of them aren't even Christians. A good Buddhist can do that. And so it's just the way that you let society shape that iniquity in you. Uh, but you still got to be blood bought in order to be saved. He made it clear to the congregation that adultery, premarital sex, pornography, and homosexuality do not bring the joy that they are searching for. Rather, they bring pain, regret, and hurt. Church attendees were given the chance at the end of the service to seek help for any sexual sin they were struggling with. Those wrapped up in sexual sin, you got rocked tonight. You've got time tonight to repent and stop it. You're not trapped. You've got to ask for help. Now that's one true thing he said. Unfortunately, the church has always been the last place where you go for help. Well, not really. I don't think that's true either. It's not the last place. I think sometimes people are crying out for help. The leadership don't recognize it. Uh-huh. Uh, to me, the crime is he's got all these people in this great big church, and now they get the chance to repent and really get saved. So he realizes he's got a bunch of people in there, and they're not living for God because they didn't come in the right way. So you come in born again. The reason that we have a believer's ministry is so that they can have one-on-one contact with a believer who can preach the gospel to them, lead them to repentance, and lead them to Christ. It's not all supposed to be done in that huge setting where nobody can really talk to them and get them to understand the new life and so forth and so on. But, you know, I mean, I think he should make it regular huh? because we're a holy church we're a holy people and there's always people that are listening to the devil there's always people who are, are weak to the devil's advances or who think that they are some kind of privileged person they got special needs and they're an exception well I know special needs people in the church then people are out in the world the world creates a special needs people but we have a special gift from God, a special ability from God that causes us to overcome all of these things. But the, you know, the church that really fears God is a church that preaches against sin on a regular. Uh, it's it's always a good time to preach against sin in the church. It's never out of date. To that's never not a good sermon to preach. You know, you can hit that all day long. Especially you got single people, young people, old people. You don't know who the devil's attacking. So that one will play all day long. But the church that fears the Lord is a holy church. We preach holiness. That means we teach you to hate sin and the devil and to love God and obey him. Amen. Father, we thank you for your understanding of us and these issues that face us. And Lord, we pray for this church that seemed to find us so odd to address these problems, these holiness related problems that keep people from experiencing the good life in you lord i thank you that those people will find uh, repentance they will find cleansing and they will find deliverance and they will find wholeness in you and trust in you father that they'll be not ashamed to obey you that they can say no to sin father Before it begins to overrun their whole congregation. So we thank you for that Lord. And we bless you for it. In Jesus name. Amen. Praise God. If anybody wants prayer. Come on up now. Praise the Lord.